0: if you uh yeah i was just thinking it's gotten chilly here but i don't actually know what the weather's like in arizona i assume hot
1: well you know there's a joke that winter ends at 2 p.m every day okay (laughs) so it's like cold in the morning and then it's like hot at 2 p.m right right now it's about 50 degrees and it's just about 10 a.m so it's pretty warm (laughs)
0: We're we're about 5 p.m. in the UK and it is chilly. It's starting to get frosty outside, in that case, I will welcome you to the podcast.
1: Thank you. Happy to be here.
0: We got there in the end. We you yeah. know, we, we had one slight hiccup. Not too bad. You're actually. Strangely enough, I did a recording on Friday with someone else from Arizona, and that also had a hiccup. Oh no! Who was it? <laughs> um, so there's a there's a rapper named Megaram, who's in that area, and he had to reschedule because he had to go help his mom with something. <laughs> so he was just like, "Just Arizona just got a bad reputation." Oh
1: yeah, that's how it goes.
0: <laughs> also, I I also learned about MST from you both. Because I didn't even know that was a time zone.
1: Yes. Yep. It's different from Mountain Standard. So it can get kind of confusing.
0: And I also learned a lot of Americans don't know that that's a time zone either. Because I have friends in California right. and they just assumed you were in the same. You're just
1: no. Yeah, Arizona doesn't practice daylight saving, So it, it kind of throws everyone off when they're not expecting it. <laughs> it's
0: special. It's a special area. <laughs> to live in. Yes. Have you been so. there your entire life then?
1: You know, I moved to Arizona when I was in middle school, so around age 13, 12 or 13 or so, and I've been here since. So that's, you know, the larger part of my life. So I guess you could say that Arizona is definitely home now.
0: Nice. I like that. I'm terrible at introducing people, so I'm going to let you introduce yourself. Who are you and what do you do?
1: Okay. Well, my name is Carissa Lucille, and I'm a zine maker and multimedia artist, and I run a zine distro and store out of Phoenix, Arizona, called Wasted Ink Zine Distro, and I also co-organize the Phoenix Zine Fest that's here.
0: You do. When you say multimedia artist, do you mean photography, film,
1: Kind I kind of of, every year it seems to change, but um, the last few years I've been focusing on textile art, okay. um, specifically quilting and um, larger scale pieces. So that's been really fun lately. So that's kind of the rabbit hole I'm down this year.
0: It's not a bad rabbit hole to end up in. <laughs> I agree. I <laughs> think with, with art, you, you do tend to like year to year. You just like, all right, I'm going to explore this this year. And this is going to be the thing
1: exactly i did writing for so many years that i feel like i missed out on a lot of the hands-on art so it's been fun as an adult to kind of guide that experience for myself and and learn a lot of different things
0: it's worth getting messy to do it as well yes
1: i agree yeah Yeah,
0: there's a catharsis in that um obviously i found you through wasted ink being involved in zines and whatnot and looking up brick and mortar stars essentially and that's what—that's essentially why I reached out to you because it's very rare, I find, that you find a zine store. So, to speak. how long have you—you you had to start Well,
1: um, this year will be our seventh year open. Oh, damn! Um, and I agree, it is rare, and mm. I didn't necessarily know how rare it was until probably a few years in, um. And that's when I kind of realized, like, this is special. This is different, and uh, it's something to really fight for in mm. Phoenix and in Arizona.
0: Definitely, the bill. I I couldn't help looking at the building. is fascinating as well. I don't know if it's just because I'm from the UK, but from the street, I was just like, it's just a very strange building.
1: <laughs> it is, and we get a lot of questions about it. Um, this is the third place where Waste Inc has been located. Okay. Um. In the in this almost seven years that we've been open Um, and it's basically two homes that were on different plots and then an artist came in the 80s and bought both of those plots and combined it with a house in between
0: okay
1: and so there's three units now on this property and it's technically zoned as um, retail art district space because it's located within the arts district so that artist in the 80s we've been told that she you know had all these galas and big art openings and events and lots of like wonderful things in the space so it's really neat to give the give it a lot more love and bring it back to a place where many people can come and enjoy art in similar ways different but similar yeah, yeah.
0: Definitely. I think those those are the kinds of spaces that, like like you say like kind of lay like in the '80s. There was, seemed seem to be a lot more of those spaces, and then they all just kind of like gradually deteriorated or dropped off. Even even in like UK to the US, it's, it's a similar story of just spaces just disappearing one after another.
1: It's so unfortunate, and and we see it all the time here.
0: Yeah, I mean, what, what's Arizona kind of art scene like? I'm curious.
1: Well, you know. Especially last year, it surprised me a little bit because mm-hmm. people would come into the shop, we'd get to talking, I'd say, you know, where are you from? Um, and they said, oh, well, I just moved here from this state, this state, this state, because er- Phoenix has such a good art scene. And that, like, kind of shocked me. Um, and I said, like, what are you talking about? You moved from, like, a state with a really, you know, reputable Art scene to Phoenix, like why? Um, And they said, Well, you have independent theaters, you have um, independent restaurants, Um, you have, you know, different music venues that are somewhere underground and you have to like really find them, and you have all these galleries still. And I'm like, What is happening in these different cities that, you know, Phoenix is a destination? And it really kind of opened my eyes to like take take um not take it for granted so much and to say like okay like we do have an art scene that people are seeking um for whatever reason and we do need to protect it and yeah. care for it and i don't know give it our all as much as possible so
0: definitely yeah. yeah i'm a big fan of protecting especially smaller scenes from being kind of completely overtaken like i'm in lincoln in the uk which is like east of uk and we're very. There is nothing in terms of independent art scenes. There's like the small groups and the small movements, but in terms of kind of something which has a presence, that just mm-hmm. doesn't doesn't really exist. And getting a space for that doesn't happen. So we we have to do a lot more work on top of that to push, push ourselves into that world. If you do,
1: yeah. You know, I Phoenix. I feel like Phoenix was always slower mm-hmm. to develop and i mean it's it's kind of a newer state in the grand scheme of things Mm -hmm. um and so i always felt like you know sometimes people would suggest oh why don't you go do this in la or or san francisco or a bigger city you know with a established art scene and yeah and i would say you know there's absolutely no way that would work there's people already doing it there so in that way phoenix had a lot of space for um for building an expansion in arts, um, and still does, but now you have people that see it as uh, as a cash cow, as something that can really make a lot of money, yeah. and it's been pushing. You know, that idea alone has been pushing artists out of their their areas and their homes and their galleries for for decades now. But yeah, still a lot to build and explore. I think.
0: Yeah, you can still do a lot it's getting there before the people with the money come that's, that's the way to do it just claim stuff and
1: set, try and set down as permanent roots as possible you know
0: yeah most definitely yeah. um so obviously you mentioned you're a writer and obviously i'm assuming have written zines for a very long time <laughs> in that
1: sense. i mean not as long as i would like i i mm-hmm. learned about people that started zines in, in high school or as teenagers yeah. i missed those early years um actually started making zines when I was 24. Mm -hmm.
0: Um,
1: But yeah, a lot of writing, I have my degree in journalism, um, which nowadays, almost a decade later, doesn't mean much. But it definitely instilled um, a lot of my love for writing and a lot of my desire to storytell and to, to explain what I'm seeing and experiencing for others to also experience it.
0: Definitely. I think it's always interesting to find out how people got into zines, I find. I, I, I imagine you, you hear a lot of those stories.
1: <laughs> I do. Yeah. I mean, people come in and I try not to badger them immediately, but eventually I'm, I'm like, okay, do you make zines? Like what zines you make? Can I see them? <laughs> um, and of course they say, you know, such, such a variety of, Of things about how they got started with zines Mm -hmm. and it's so different how so many different paths lead to zine making
0: (laughs) definitely do you find as well like do you get a mix of people who are who are just interested in zines but not making zines versus zine makers who come and they're like i want to read more i want to read more
1: i would say it's a pretty good split there's people who um who come in and maybe they haven't made a zine yet but they're Mm -hmm. like They're trying to figure out if it's something doable for them, if they have capacity for it, if they have a desire for it, Um, or maybe they haven't made zines in like twenty years.
0: Yeah,
1: (laughs) and and they're like, "Wow, like people still make zines." And I am like, "Yeah, they do. You should make yours. Keep keep going."
0: They never (laughs) never Always trying to
1: give that gentle nudge, like make zines.
0: (laughs) Just coercive, (laughs) just like. Oh, so have you heard about zines? Do you want? Do you want to make a zine? oh yeah they're a nice um the way I described them was like they're a nice gateway to creativity it was just so especially people who don't like don't paint or write or do anything like that like I can't do anything creative and like well you could make like a single page scene and see how that goes especially
1: in the distro because mini zines are so succinct I feel as though they're often most popular because someone can come in, read it from from cover to cover, have a good understanding of what it's about, and fall in love with it rather quickly. I yeah. love mini <laughs> I I
0: don't think I've ever actually made a minis. Come to think of it, I started out a six and then stuck with that. <laughs> I needed more space. was was my, yeah. my general view. I run I out of space too quickly, and then just. Me too. <laughs> I mean, I find that's the problem with um because getting submissions for kind of writing pieces of people get long-winded when they write.
1: Oh, yeah. I definitely get that. Yeah, they, you know, they can send you 12 pages and it's like, oh, wow. Well, I won't fit.
0: <laughs> yep, cool. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you need to this learn is a to
1: dissertation questions. paper.
0: <laughs> I mean, there's, I think that's one of the kind of interesting things we've seen as well is that you, you see such a range of just styles it's never one thing it's it's always like blends of you know such and such does it like you say an essay or uh like a, a dissertation on something where someone else will literally just spread their thoughts on a page and dive into it and i, I don't really i don't know if there's a right way or a wrong way to do it
1: I, i'm constantly surprised by it and yeah. i've seen a a fair share of zines Um, just this year this past year alone in 2021 Wasted Inc. distributed almost 4,000 zines. Wow! So, you know, that's just a snapshot of what what's for sale and what's being distributed. Um, And I'm constantly surprised by what people make happily surprised. And at Wasted Inc., we focus on carrying specific creators work, so people who are BIPOC, who are LGBTQIA+, plus, um, who are chronically ill or disabled, or neurodivergent. Mm-hmm. And many of our zine makers are a combination of those identities, which is really neat. And yet the variety continues and continues to expand. And there's so many different topics within yeah. the disco.
0: Interesting. Was, i was mean, kind of curious just in terms of obviously saying you keep getting kind of surprised by what you receive i'm curious what the most impressive zine you've ever received is or oh, what you would class as it i have a big question but cool.
1: it is a big question um you know
0: maybe i always really it. like
1: the i always really like the zines that teach me something especially okay. about someone's experience that I will never have. Um, mm-hmm. And so it's like that camp where they're really interesting to me because of their content, or they're interesting to me because of their um the way they're made mm-hmm. and they're printed and bound and the creativity that exists within just the, the tangible creation of them and then of course you know there's zines that combine everything together mm-hmm. it just of kind of blows me away and I'm still doing a, you know like typewriter copy paste you know cheap as possible kind of zines and mm-hmm. so when I see people that are really pushing the boundaries of even the loose definition of what I would consider a zine or self-published mm-hmm. um object that really excites me still
0: I mean, I mean, just jumping to that of uh, a question of what constitutes a Z, how far how far away from that do you think you can go?
1: <laughs> I mean, so in the distro, I tend to have a looser definition of it. Okay. Um it's basically anything that has been self-published or has even gone through like an independent DIY press. Okay. Um I try to shy away from things that have ISBN numbers, barcodes. Um, I try the shop has a price cap on it, so twenty-five or under, mm-hmm. um, just so that you know I'm not distributing art coffee books or you know the more expensive art books that could exist out there. Yeah. Um, but the majority of the the zines in the distro are between two to seven dollars they're still right in that range um very very few are up that at that higher range so you know we have some people consider comics indie comics you know not zines but you know if it's self-published if it's, if it's self-printed and it's self-assembled like can it can be in the distro um I just tend to have like a pretty loose approach to it um I love the collaborative zines I love the work that you know they're kind of like they're on the edge of magazines but they're still all individually Mm -hmm. created and and published and I think that's important still um you know sometimes people talk about you know what the zines are made out of if you know for me I'm still making the the DIY copy and paste stuff at home um but there are people that are making these high gloss beautifully bound Um, really high quality paper publications and um, they still they still have a place so you know many of the projects the funds collected from them go to support other projects and and large organizations or mutual aid efforts in our area so it just kind of depends on what it is um, and why it exists I guess
0: yeah, I think why becomes the big question because it's it's always when you have this conversation with people and they do try to start splitting it of you know oh you can't you can't do it because you haven't assembled it yourself or you haven't copied and pasted and you're like I, I mean you know I paid for it I created it therefore it's mine I think I always draw the line of if it's got advertisements
1: mm, if it's like yeah, if it's like speaking.
0: as soon as you're funding something else then you've, you've gone away from what was meant to be there, I guess, or it's I, not subject. Really.
1: Sometimes in my zines, I'll have fake advertisements just as a gag, <laughs> but I mean, yeah, yeah. <laughs> if, you, if you're like selling ad space in your zine, then I think it kind of becomes something,
0: something yeah. else. That's definitely, definitely magazine territory.
1: And, and the circulation, you know, if, if you're selling it on Amazon and you're distributing 20,000 a year, like, is that a zine
0: that's interesting as well because you get a lot now like fashion brands have moved into what they call zines i've noticed yes and that, that concerns does. me
1: yeah i've seen a lot of popularity um grow you know in our area so you know there's a lot more there's college courses mm. or zines and and i kind of have to ask myself like who are the professors teaching this and why are they teaching zines in college and what comes of it and what their ethos is around zines? You know, how are they involved in the larger community? Are they a zine maker themselves or do they just like graphic design? Like, so that, you know, there's a lot of, lot of questions. And, but I do think this, the hair splitting of it all can be more detrimental to the, to the scene overall. Instead of just more welcoming and and saying like hey like make whatever you want, so yeah. there's yeah. that fine line I think.
0: Yeah, I, I think the the thought of doing a university course about zines that terrifies. Me. I I always I mean I'm always at the level of I get put off when I see, when I see signs about zine workshops, and those workshops aren't free. That always always triggers me in a sense of I'm just like that's that's a It's You can literally make it with an A4 piece of paper in two minutes. So why do you need an hour and $150? Right.
1: You know, when we talk about workshops and accessibility, I think, you know, it depends on what's being offered, but Mm -hmm. a lot of oftentimes I see very expensive courses being being offered and and workshops um, without any option for a sliding scale or... um, even a scholarship option, like mm-hmm. whenever I'm, I'm doing a workshop or, you know, I'm bringing in someone to teach a workshop that I'm hoping to pay. We, we discuss those accessibility options because I don't think zines and zine making should be gatekept. And I, and I don't think someone should I don't know necessarily profit off of zine making as a whole. Like, I don't think it should be a, a huge moneymaker. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's my personal opinion, and I know some people are are really out there making zines to to supplement their income. And I also I can't say anything about that either. So, like, you know, there's a lot of people doing things. But I do agree that workshops need to be accessible in 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 a few different ways for me to feel comfortable about it.
0: Yeah, I completely agree. And like, let's say, yeah, I think there's so many backgrounds and getting to hair splitting with it just drags the whole idea down but it should it should be about accessibility and should be about you know connecting people and bringing them
1: and you think about the world of traditional publishing and and there's so many rules there so if someone's leaving that world to try and access a a space with less restrictions and then enters a space where zines it's like well you shouldn't price it like this and you Mm -hmm. shouldn't use this kind of method and like that's just more rules (laughs) yes (laughs)
0: yes There's <laughs> just my rules <laughs> so yeah I mean in terms of kind of inclusivity and like you mentioned before what you kind of stock in your store and whatnot with the topic of the day as it were was, was discussing this idea that you you had that um, zines are inherently queer mm-hmm. and I'm curious if you can explain what you mean with that so well
1: you know there's a few different um definitions or camps around what queer means. And, Mm. um, when I, when I say zines are inherently queer, I'm speaking about queerness as the definition that actions outside of the traditional norm and the traditional narrative are inherently queer. And so when we are directing our own zines and our own publications and our own projects surrounding the zines and influencing hundreds of people and growing these movements through zine making and through zine distribution. That is a very queer act that's outside of, you know, capitalism, that's outside of, um, you know, the systems that we're so used to and that are so detrimental overall. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's outside of traditional publishing, sure, but there's been so many movements that have been influenced by zines. And we see so many queer voices, queers in LGBTQIA+, that that Mm -hmm. sort of umbrella, um, because they have no representation in traditional media. And even if they do, it's been heavily edited, it's been revised, it's been approved, it's been watered down, it's been whitewashed and sanitized so we don't have a lot of spaces where these people are having their voices heard as their true authentic selves Mm -hmm. without being so so washed clean to say using quotes there so zines themselves have always been a space for historically silenced voices to have their voice heard and in that way that is what I mean when I say that they're inherently queer.
0: Yeah, I completely agree. It's it's, it's when it, when you kind of mentioned it as a kind of a phrase, it was one of these things which kind of got me thinking in terms of um, my experience of entering into the zine world, as it were. In the sense of when I did it, a lot of my friends who are queer and were making zines were making zines about being queer, and I kind of entered in it, and it was like. Am I, am I going to be welcome at events? Or is this going to be like a thing? Because it's, it's not my community. It's not my world in any way, shape or form. And obviously that moved aside quickly because everyone was super friendly in the zine community, as it were. <laughs> but it got me thinking of kind of its place amongst other art forms and why it is so accessible compared to other practices, which do the same of allowing people voices. And I wondered if you had any thoughts on that.
1: Well, I, I completely agree. And, you know, we do at the distro center around and focus on zines made by creators with these identities, but we also prioritize Arizona work. So you cannot identify with any of the of the identities I listed and just live in Arizona and that will get your work in the distro. So I do think there's a lot of space and room for all types of creators to exist in the same fishbowl and there I hope there's not as much hair splitting um and and exclusivity because that's I don't know the opposite of what I'm working towards but for me um I think it was about a year after I had started the distro I looked up I looked around in the shop and I realized that a lot of the zines were from like white, straight male creators. Mm -hmm. And I said, like, how did this happen? First of all, (laughs) like, how did, how did all of it just come so quickly um, and fill the shelves? And so that made me think about, you know, what the distro's for, who it's for, what zines largely represent. um, And while there's still room for creators who have those identities, I wanted to make sure there was a more balanced, um, a more balanced situation, a more balanced existence of the different voices. So focusing on that and setting up boundaries and systems to make sure that actually takes place has been really beneficial. And yet, you know, like I said, the variety is still vast. I mean, you can find zines in the store about anything, <laughs> yeah, which is wonderful.
0: It's, uh, it's, it's one of those kind of it's an interesting weird like because obviously um like we we're saying like zine seems to seems come a very long way it's been around for a very long time yeah. um i mean when i think of the uk zine scene most of it started with like music zines and fanzines from the punk movement and how that was the domination of zines for a very long time mm-hmm. whereas now it's obviously shifted and i find it weird as like a community to have evolved so much over time that it it can shift its focus as it moves along the historical timeline to you know focus on those who aren't getting the the tension rights and everything they need. But I'm like, well, if that gets to a point where we are better representing people in the world, what what's next? What will zines in the future be, and what will we be looking at and going? Okay, well, this is the, these are the next group who need to be involved in zines. <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm
1: constantly excited by the younger generation that Mm. come into the distro just last weekend there was someone visiting from ohio um and they said that their senior project in high school was to do a project all about making zines that ends in a in a final zine making of themselves so Mm. Um, and just everything they were asking and they were really hungry for the history of zines and how many movements they've been involved in Mm -hmm. and that's just it it makes me happy because you know there's definitely older zinesters that come in 20 years 30 years older than me that are still making zines and um, have things to say about the scene you know just like I do and then there's this younger generation that again they have no rules they have no concept of um, what has come or what will come? So they're just making the weird shit that they have in their head, and that's exactly what I want. Yeah, um, it's very creative, it's very powerful, and they're operating and creating without rules, just like a lot of zinessters.
0: Definitely. Do you think zines are potentially more accessible than because the the way the the comparison I was making my head between zines and other art forms is to graffiti and street art. I'm always thinking they they very much fall into the same accounts of anyone can do these. If you have a pencil or if you have a pen Mm -hmm. and I, I wonder if zines are actually more accessible than something like street art.
1: Mm. You know, I don't know too much about street art, but I, I really do believe that anyone can make zines. Mm. And that's kind of why I think I, I like gently push, you know, and say like, you know, oh, you're not a star yet. Like, oh, you don't make zines yet. Like, don't, don't just close that door <laughs> because, you know, you can make a zine in one afternoon if you really wanted to. Um, you could see a hole in your community and, and gather, you know, a group of five and make a zine. Um, There's so many options and so many ways to do it that I really do believe it is accessible now paper and ink prices are going up Mm
0: -hmm. still.
1: And that's like, you know, you can't find a printer, you can't buy and find a printer (laughs) anywhere. So there are limiting factors that are outside of the scene. It's just the world we live in. But I do think that zines are accessible and how I started my distributing my zine was I hid hundreds of copies all over my city. with the hopes that someone would find it and even if they threw it away they had to look at it and it was uh kind of in your face feminist propaganda zines um about all sorts of different topics but a lot of people would then find me tabling and said you make this I found this in a coffee shop I found this in the library I found this you know and that they just got involved in that way um so I think there are ways of making zines accessible especially if you want to start getting people more involved in and grow something you just have to kind of think outside the box a little bit I think
0: <laughs> I love that you abandoned scenes places because you're one of the few people I've found who've done that because I, I did something very similar when I started No point my I it's anonymous so I just started abandoning it in various places I could find I'd take yep. it into shops and leave it into their shelves and, and all those kinds of things And everyone would t- told me I was like, like this doesn't seem like a good idea. This seems insane. And I'm like, no, no, there's, there's rationale to this.
1: (laughs) There is because there's, I hunt, I look, I go into coffee shops, I'm looking at, you know, amongst the flyers and business cards and, you know, yard sale sign. Like I'm searching for that one weird piece of paper Mm. that shows me another human was there. (laughs) Um, And it's special, especially when you find something there's projects like that all over the place. And, you know, to find that thing and to, to reach out or like follow or email, like get connected in that way is just a different experience than we are used to, especially since we're all on our phones a lot and our screens. And we, we view connection that way as like the most important, the most accessible, but you know, sometimes finding something when you're not expecting it is in, in a lot of ways more special. And I got lucky and you know, was able to, to trade, I think, uh, grading papers for, for a lot of copies. So that allowed me to be able to afford to distribute for free for a little while and just Mm -hmm. get things, get things going and and rolling in that way. I think it's a really fun thing to do.
0: (laughs) It is definitely a fun thing to do. I think that that's something which I, I think some people forget when they, when they, especially when you've been making zines for a while and it becomes just a thing you do you forget this like no this should be fun this should be
1: oh my gosh yes it really should be fun and some some collaborative projects you get down the rabbit hole in the weeds and it's a lot of work it's a Mm -hmm. lot of work and um I think the largest collaborative zine I made had 88 contributors and you know when you're in the when you're in the weeds there it's a lot and you have to step back and it should be fun it should be fun and if it's not fun, something's wrong.
0: <laughs> I'm just thinking, thinking about the idea of keeping track of 88 email addresses, and that's terrifying.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. Yep.
0: It's interesting that you mentioned, though, the, the idea of getting away from your phone, though, because um, I, I was talking to a zine maker in Japan, um, Craig Atkinson, recently on the podcast, and he was mentioning the idea of creating perzines as just a the the whole analog act of it takes you away from every other notification and that's why it's so special to him I
1: I completely agree
0: yeah it gives you some breathing room I think
1: it does and when I'm working on my perzine my phone is away and I'm typing on my typewriter and I'm not really using anything that that is digital and that Mm is you know plugged in and connected and it does help my brain to think more clearly. I think than if I were to just type it on the computer.
0: Yeah. So, Yeah. Yeah. It's going back to the idea of it kind of being inherently um, queer. The it's one of these weird things of like I see zines as micro like micro actions of rebellion. If that makes sense. Oh
1: yeah! <laughs> oh yeah! I agree.
0: I think it heavily lends itself to that kind of idea where you are basically just, you have no control in your life because of outside influences and outside forces. So you basically get to sit down and go, actually, no, if I just write, fuck you on a piece of paper, that gives me that freedom. It
1: does. And I, I find so many people, they're much more willing to share their their thoughts, their experiences, their worries, you know, everything jumbled in their brain in a zine, mm-hmm. but you won't find that online. You won't find it in a Tumblr blog or, or maybe even live journal wouldn't have been as expansive. Um, and in a zine, I feel as though you have much more control over who consumes your zine. You can make a run of 10 and distribute and just give it to specific people. You know, you can publish anonymously or with a pen name have a lot more freedom to speak openly and um i think that's a beautiful thing people have a lot to share but there's a lot of fear of of being judged or you know whatever else or you know even legalities of some things i'm sure but zines open up a lot more opportunity to share just authenticity Mm. i
0: think
1: that's that's a beautiful thing
0: do you think kind of people as a society at large need that like that escape of, auth- of those authenticity sorry I'm gonna get the words out of my mouth
1: <laughs> oh so. I really think so we've done a few um open mics called um misery musings and it's like just inviting people to share their their you know bad poetry or their sad stuff or you know just things that they they might not share other places mm-hmm. and that's that's shown me that people do really find it cathartic to to share in these ways with each other and to share this type of of well whatever medium it is whether it's writing or poetry or I don't know even something more like I don't know like on video some sort of art or dance but I think people really crave those spaces to show their authentic selves without judgment and I always think that zines are on the shelves, just they're like catalysts for that connection. And they're just waiting to like have someone witness them and open them and, and consume and, and connect.
0: And yeah.
1: Yeah. I think people do need that.
0: Yeah. I think, I think they definitely do. Do you think there's a, I mean, you've been making these zines for a while. Do you think there's a challenge in making a zine?
1: I think there's a lot of challenges. <laughs>
0: It's one of those thoughts of kind of when you meet naturally creative people, I feel it's easy to forget that some people don't create. And I'm, I'm wondering what the challenge is in making a zine for most people.
1: Well, a lot of times people come to me and say, how do I make the thing? I have this idea. I have all the art, the writing, whatever it is, you know, the photographs. How do I make it and print it? You know how do I get to that step. Um and even on my website I have a lot of resources about how to lay out zines, how to print them, how to bind them, like lots of options because that's a question I get a lot. Mm-hmm. Um just like how do I follow through with the project? So um in addition to that, it's it's feeling stuck on what to name it. Um for my personal self, sometimes I get too wrapped up and a zine idea then turns into like a a memoir of, of work. And I'm like, wait, wait, wait." (laughs) it needs to be bite-sized. I'm not publishing a book. (laughs) So sometimes I get snowballed into a project. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I think there's a lot of questions about how do I just do it? Um, What does it look like? All the details about it. And I, I, I get back to people and I say, it's all up to you. It's all what you want. And that Sometimes is terrifying as well
0: <laughs> do you think people do you think people look for essentially i guess what was the way to word it of that people look for permission to create or to be themselves
1: I think so sometimes sometimes it's just you know. Going in, people come into the distro and say like, is this a good zine idea? And of course Mm. I say yes, because I think all zines should exist. And then they come back a few months later with this thing they've created and they're, they're very satisfied. They're very happy with themselves and, and to be distributed through a distro or get into a library, whatever their goals are, um, I think it is very validating to them, but having that permission, having someone say, yes, your art is valid. Your scenes are important. Your voice is important. Your experience matter. Like just put it on paper. Yeah. <laughs> Any idea. It doesn't even have to be profound. It can be, you know, one of my favorite scenes is like the history of sliced bread. Like I love it. I want that zine. I want to know all about it.
0: <laughs> I mean, yeah, I can it. my favorite zine is a, a micro zine I have, which is just called flats and hats. And it's just a series of buildings in hats. And oh it's the best scene I've ever bought in my entire life.
1: Wonderful. I had a I had a, a young teenager, um, barely a teenager, say, you know, in one of my workshops that I provided for a class, they said, well, okay, here's my zine. It's all about the furniture in my house and my favorite couch. And I'm like, brilliant. I love it. That's what I want.
0: <laughs> That's all anyone needs to know. They just need, need to know about you. you. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I think they're great tools in terms of you can put an idea into something, and this you may ne- never even thought about something, you may never even considered a topic worth looking at. And then someone points to it and says, You should look at this for a few minutes. Think.
1: Oh, yeah. And just, I, I mean, I open up packages every week and I never really know what's in, you know, they've described it. I might have seen pictures, but like, you know, having it in my hands tangibly. Yeah. and seeing the variety and the amazing people and the amazing things that people come up with it's very exciting for me
0: it's just a, yeah, yeah absolutely I mean it must. I don't know if it, that'd be anxiety inducing to receive a parcel and never know what you're going to get
1: <laughs> sometimes I get the unsolicited zines and, and really it's truly a mystery I'm like what is this
0: yeah. but
1: you know it, it kind of happens less now I'm not sure why
0: Maybe you've been, you've become jaded. <laughs> you're just like, nothing surprises really. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, still surprises me. Yeah. But I never know what I'm going to get.
0: You never you know what you're going to get. I, yeah. It's, I think zines are kind of, they're a very interesting tool. I think I, I, that I I always begrudge necessarily calling them a medium, like like painting or something like that, just because they can be used in so many ways. And I think they they potentially have more value as kind of something therapeutic and cathartic to do, like we said before. it gets to the idea of profit or advertising, and yeah p- people need need a tool i think I think definitely thinkzins provide that in some capacity. we need to push them into more places
1: I agree yes i agree i'm i'm I ask everyone you know like can I put a zine rack here? Like, have you considered starting a zine library? Like, are you interested in distributing? Like, how can we work together all, all across the state? Because I just want more people to make zines and benefit from reading them as well. So the more the merrier.
0: <laughs> I think just on that since then, obviously, zines are microactions actions of rebellion, as we kind of stated, um, <laughs> and utilized by the Parts of society who need that most and need the catharsis and representation and everything like that. If zines were were more mainstream, do you think they'd lose that value?
1: You know, I have heard older zinesters say that zines now are mainstream. Hmm. Um, I remember... On Instagram way back in the day, there was less than 500 posts with the hashtag scene. Mm. And um, that does not mean that they weren't widespread all over the world with people making them and sharing them. That just means that they hadn't been posted on Instagram yet. (laughs) And it's like, you know, I think that if too many people with the wrong ideas of zines were pushing zines. Um, You know, there's always a risk of losing the root of what zines are um, and the importance of accessibility and the value of trading and, you know, this kind of anti-capitalist approach. So I think, like anything, art can be co-opted and turned into something that it wasn't originally. That's going to happen no matter what. And I think that as more people learn about zines, we just try to, you know, explain the history of them and why they're important and how they can be used as a tool um, in political movements and social movements. Um, Or they can just be about absurd things, you know, they can be your diary, they can be just anything. And I think really pushing those ideas. When discussing zines and introducing them, not as like this is going to be a really easy thing for you to get rich. (laughs) I think, um, you know, I think the more people know about zines in in a good way and in with the roots and history involved, that will fight the other side of zines being commodity or co-opted. So. I don't think they'll become super duper mainstream. I, I think art is more accessible than ever, especially because the way people use social media platforms, but I don't think they'll ever lose their, their true roots and their importance, especially if we just keep talking about why they're important and, and how they can be used to benefit people. So it's like I think I want people to I want more people to know about it, but I also want it to be discussed in good ways, um, instead of you know some sort of cash grab or or easy and quick way to make money.
0: <laughs> I always introduce people to zines with This is a great way to lose a lot of money. It's going to cost you a lot to be involved <laughs> with it in a long period of time, and you're going to want to buy a lot of zines.
1: <laughs> and I think you know even people have ideas about the distro you know they they the, the money aspect gives them a bit of a head scratch yeah. and it's all volunteer work and so people say oh well, how do you open a distro how do you run it and i said it's just a lot of time and money it's a lot of volunteer work for a community mm-hmm. that's doing the exact same thing so yeah i think i wish there were more distros i wish there were more stores but it's hard <laughs> It's not an easy thing to do.
0: Yeah, but. definitely. I think yeah, it, it would be nice to see more zine stores. And like, like you kind of say, I think the risk we run is people doing it for the wrong reasons, essentially, and then stocking the things for the wrong reasons. of. Mm-hmm. Well, I, in a way, I, I don't know the, the fight which people have to get zines into places. Like I I've obviously tried you try to get artwork into different locations in different stores and people tend to be a bit shy of doing that. Whereas zines, I'm always like, well, they're only small. You could have a little a little zine send to decide.
1: It's yeah. a good thing. I like that they're they collapse nicely. <laughs> it's true. They're, it's not I don't think it's too hard, but yeah, I wish there were more stores. And I know that the pandemic has a lot of strain on places that that were you know brick and mortar places Mm -hmm. to pick up and buy zines there's been a few that have closed
0: so you think maybe that's is that the main challenge of making zines is just distribution necessarily
1: mm -hmm. once you you have it distribution but just how do you best tell people about your work and not feel like you're just shouting into the void um, or bothering all of your friends and family. <laughs> um, and yeah, once you finish it, you've worked so hard. You, you know, paid for all your paper and your printing, you know, everything like that. You've had your clear vision and, and it's kind of like, well, now what? How do I tell people? I can put it on my Etsy store and connect it to my Twitter page. But like, then what? <laughs> How does it work? I think it is tricky. Yeah.
0: My my advice for people whenever they, they kind of do that is along the lines of etsy is is okay it will provide a a space but you're better off physically handing people your zine who might be interested because then you can at least engage with them when you hand it over
1: i agree and that's such an important part of it and meeting other creators that you connect with their zines and, and learning about their lives it's just a very very different experience than just buying them on etsy or even online anywhere yeah. and i i really value you know meeting meeting the creators it's very exciting
0: was it, so your zine fair was, was it online this last year
1: it was yep in november it was online and that was the first time we had done done it online so it was an interesting experiment
0: <laughs> yeah it's i, I think having been to zine fairs and then obviously through the pandemic everything went online and I avoided doing online once so it's, like, it's just a very different experience to being there and sitting near people and and getting to know one another and I think yeah, yeah. I'd be, I'm looking forward to that kind of coming back hopefully
1: I agree I've done a few online um and each has had their own approach which has mm-hmm. been exciting to see how they've you know figured things out but being online is hard. Um, I think a lot of people in Arizona and in Phoenix didn't participate this year because you know they really wanted that in-person aspect, um, and yet we had hundreds of people join the zine the zine fest from all over the world, which just shows that you know different accessible accessibility points invites different people. Mm-hmm. There's no way we could have had so many people from different countries join if it wasn't person. So. Again, it yielded different results, but positive overall.
0: Yeah, just gonna find a way to blend the two.
1: I know. Yeah, hybrid is something we're really thinking about because we want as many people to experience the fastest possible. So,
0: just strap a laptop to like a Segway and just
1: (laughs) gradually move around the festival. (laughs) Truly, we have to figure out something. So,
0: yeah, yeah, it is one of those things. I often see zines as a way to remove yourself from your content in the sense Mm. of you can create something, like you said, act of catharsis, put it in, put out something more honest than maybe what you're able to say yourself physically. And then you hand it to someone and say, Hey, this is, this is me. This is what I do. This is what I'm about. This is my truest representation of myself. But at that same time, being at a festival and seeing those people is just invaluable
1: yeah we can't. i can't wait until we can do it again and our venue sold this year so we're gonna to have to find a new place but that's that's all part of it you know and i just i can't wait till till we can share space again and have those conversations across the table and trade zines and just yeah it's there's so much good there
0: definitely, definitely something good there. just as a final question because it's the question you probably get asked most. How do people get into zines?
1: How do people get into zines? Um, I think they have to have an idea that they can't get out of their head. (laughs) It's like once, that's how it starts for me. It's like this little whisper in the back of my head and I try to ignore it. I'm like, I have too many zine ideas already. Um, And then it grows and then it builds and I have the courage to mention it to someone and they say, yeah, you should make that zine. And it gets, it grows from there. And finding your community is just the biggest step. When I first started making zines, I knew zero people making zines, but I had that idea and that itch that wouldn't go away that I just had to like put my writing somewhere (laughs) Um, that that had no restrictions. And finding other zine makers you know, to tell me what stapler to use and where in town has the cheapest copies. Um, You know, that was really important and valuable to me and made me feel like, okay, like I'm not just this person, you know, in my whirlwind of paper, making a zine by myself. Like there, there's so many more people doing this and it's not an act of, it's not a solitary act. Yeah. So Wherever I travel, just not. it's not as often as right now as it used to be. But whenever I travel, I'm looking up zines in that area. I'm Googling. I'm asking friends. I'm just trying to find where the zines are because I want to learn about more of those communities so that I can do my best to connect and support them in whatever way I can personally. But I think getting into zines, you just have to look for them first. Yeah. <laughs>
0: I think that's great advice. I think a little, an idea, and a little bit of courage probably take you quite far in making your first scene on getting into
1: it. So, oh yeah,
0: a great platform for bringing more of your authentic self in a fairly safe environment.
1: Yeah,
0: I think definitely. so. Definitely. Well, I think we can probably round this out if yeah. if you're happy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's been yes. lovely to catch up with you. I'm just
1: so glad that you reached out to have this conversation about zines, and um, yeah, I'd love to read yours. Oh, I don't know about that. <laughs> yes, yes, I would. You're I, doing
0: it. <laughs> I'm, I'm doing that thing, which is where I distance myself from my own work and just
1: yeah. You're like no, no, no.
0: Me, me as zine fairs. And most people, you know, you know, put their work out there and are, like quite proud of their work, whereas I put my work out there and then I just gradually walk away from. it. <laughs>
1: I'm the same you know I have this whole store of zines and I just kind of tuck mine in there just hide yeah. them amongst the other ones and people say well which ones are yours and I'm like it's over oh, there sure. <laughs> <laughs> you really have to find it
0: <laughs> yeah I mean and if you, you it. find it you get you get a more you know authentic version of ourselves but you have to find yeah. it first You've got got there's a challenge involved in finding yeah. ourselves Uh, no on that case we'll uh we'll round this out and we'll, we'll talk to these guys later as I say thank you for coming along
1: of course thank you so much